Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DB Barstool Sports Starting Nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 108 of End of the Bench, and ladies and gentlemen, it's been 266 days between the final game of the World Series and yesterday, and thank the Lord, baseball's back. This is the longest gap between games since the Professional Baseball League started in 1871. It's a little stat for you to start off. We're doing baseball and baseball only. I'm so freaking excited. It's it's insane. I'm so excited to even talk about this because a couple months ago, we didn't even think we were to have a baseball season at all. You had the players and the owners fighting each other about how many games we're going to play, who's getting paid or who's not getting paid, whatever. But we got baseball back. We got baseball back. First part of the show, I'm recapping yesterday's opening day, Yankees Nationals, Giants Dodgers. Talk about the ceremonies in both details. Talk about Mookie Betts and his deal and all the little all the little details with it, the deferrals. Because if you ain't doing deferrals nowadays, kids, you're doing it wrong. And then we're going to take a quick break, and after that, we're going to talk about the new playoff format. What do I think about it? And give you my predictions of the teams that are going to be making it. Break down all the details about the... It's actually really kind of confusing, but if you break it down, you read up on it, you kind of get it. And then we'll talk about how the Blue Jays still don't have a home. And their first home game, quote-unquote home game, is July 29th. They're playing their first opening day uh, series against the Rays today. So, But we're going to break down all about baseball. So let's jump right in. The Yankees versus Nationals. I'm a Yankee fan. You guys know that. Juan Soto is a guy I was actually really, really looking forward to seeing. So before the game started, Soto out because of COVID-19 positive test. He got a test Tuesday. He played a scrimmage against the Orioles on Wednesday. Tested positive Thursday before the game. Um, That just seems like a nightmare for the Nationals before the game's even starting. Imagine if you're the Nationals, you have Soto in the middle of your lineup, probably like batting second or third in that lineup. You need him. You lost Rendon to the Angels in, in free agency. Your power bat isn't really there. So you need Soto in the lineup. Not having him in the lineup last night was kind of a, you could see it. I mean, Garrett Cole, he, he had success off Garrett Cole. Um, I think he had a home run on the World Series off Cole. I can't remember. Um, but the fact of the matter is not having Soto was a big issue last night for the Nationals. But it's a little scary, though. So Soto must have been in contact with some of these Orioles players the other night. So Orioles players need to get tested and see what happened to them. Hopefully we don't have any issues. But we let's just pray and Soto gets better. Young kid. We need him in this league. We need him on the Nationals. We need to see him play every single day and look like an absolute funny lunatic at the plate because the kid's a fucking stud. Kid's a fucking stud. But let's talk about Dr. Fauci's first pitch was an absolute nightmare. It was so weird. I mean, move over 50 cent. Fauci's got the crown as the worst opening day uh, first pitch ever. I mean, he's up there with 50 cent and... I think it was the Cincinnati's mayor at the time. He threw it and absolutely, like, he, I think he hit somebody off to the left side. I mean, there was a woman last year who threw a first pitch in the White Sox game. I think she was a, um, I can't remember, it was like a, 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 like a, a worker in the White Sox um, 
building or it was, I don't know, some prize winner or whatever. She threw the ball and hit the camera, the photographer right next to her. That was bad. But this is this was our George Bush moment, right? George Bush, 2001, 9-11. There were, I think, 10 days between the Yan- between baseball and uh, 9-11 happening. And then Piazza hits the home run. We all remember that. But then in the World Series, 2001 World Series, you have George Bush takes the mound, and he throws an absolute perfect strike down the middle in the opening game of the World Series. And it was an iconic moment. It was this uplifting moment for the country, right? Fauci did not have his. I mean, I'm I'm, going to read a a quote from uh, Nationals Closer. Sean Doolittle, he said, it's hard to describe. That's that's basically 2020 in a nutshell. It was, like you know, he still think, you know, he, he did a photo, like a six feet apart photo. It was kind of funny, but it was very good. But it was a very, very emotional thing. You know, Fauci has been this guy who has been positively and negatively f- the face of this thing, you know, the voice of the people. And you would think you might practice a little bit, right? practice a little bit I'm sure he practiced a little bit I think the man's old but still I mean he was in front of the rubber way in front of it and he threw it way off to the left so it's it, it's 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 a shame it's a shame to see but we have baseball and then after I think it was before the first pitch you saw Trump on television uh, it was filmed earlier in the day on the front of the lawn of the White House, him and Rivera and a bunch of kids playing some baseball. Rivera uh, talking to him and Trump saying, you know, this is cut or whatever. It was just a little weird to see that. And I also heard that um, there could be, I think the possibility is very, very, very possible that um, Trump's going to be thrown out the first pitch on August 15th at Yankee Stadium. Some controversy there because uh, – the I think the Yankees have always. I don't know if this is right. I'm probably not going to say this, but whatever, I'll say it. Um, have always swung. I think right the ownership. So, I think it, it. I think they're they're doing their due diligence. I mean, we talk. We'll talk about what the Yankees did the right way for Black Lives Matter last night. But I, I heard uh, Randy Levine, president of the Yankees, talked to. Uh, Trump last night and yesterday and during the day yesterday talking about, you know, I guess him and Rivera talking and then saying you're throw the first pitch. I saw on Twitter last night that a lot of Yankee fans of uh, minorities, really, you know, the black and uh, Spanish groups are not happy with what the Yankees are going to be doing, having him throw the first pitch. I'm not. I'm not pleased with it, but I, I think we just gotta have to live with it. We're happy. I think everyone just needs to be happy. Baseball's back because I'm fucking ecstatic, as you can see. I'm seven minutes into this podcast and I'm freaking out. Last night I had watched the game with uh, three of my buddies. It was great. This, it's like a my my like squad from high school. These three of my friends. We always watch baseball, and uh, we watched at my friend's house outside. Had the TV outside. Had some drinks. Had some food. It was awesome. We watched. Majority, the whole Yankee game until it postponed, and then and then they called the game, and then uh, we watched a little bit of the Dodger game as well. And then I went home and watched the rest of the Dodger game by myself. Took some notes, but game recap for the Yankee game. Bad in practice. The Yankees wore Black Lives Matter shirts, doing it right. Great move. And the pregame ceremony was very moving. I was talking with my buddy Bill 
um, Nurse Bell, you guys all know Nurse Bell, he hasn't been on the podcast in a while, but um, we were talking about what are they going to do? You know, they're the first sport to be playing since COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement that was going on about a month ago. What are they going to do to show that they care about this movement, to, about racial injustice? What are they going to do? Because they need, they need to show everybody that they care. They have with the interviews they've done, the video montage that they played on the screen. We saw it a couple of weeks ago with um, a bunch of um, players, Judge and Tim Anderson, and I think McCutcheon was on it. A lot of players were on it. Um, but we we were wondering, what are they going to do? And I think they did a great job last night. So with the Nationals and the Yankees, they you know they, when they line up on opening day, they line up on each side of the field, left the uh, left field foul line, right field foul line. But what they did is they they held in in unison. They jointly jointly held this long black piece of cloth, and it was very symbolic, saying that you know we are together as one. We are together. It's very interesting to see what they did that that they did that. I was very nervous to be honest with you what they were gonna do, and then they both and then both teams. Went on one knee. They knelt. They were kneeling on in unison, and it was fucking. It was fucking awesome to see. It was beautiful to see. They did it for a little while. Um, I funny part is about the 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 opening ceremony, and then you know telling the players like leading off, blah blah. blah. I wish a couple of the players joked around, like tipped the cap and waved to the fans, because they had the the crowd noise in the background, cheering for the players or booing, whatever. But I really wish somebody tip the cap and wave to the fans. Some player has to do that today. Friday, you got the rest of the games. The Mets are at 4 o'clock today. Someone's got to do something. Be freaking hilarious. So you have that. Um, let's talk about the game. Garrett Cole's first outing in pinstripes. Five innings, one hit, one earned run, which is the solo home run off uh, um, by uh, Adam Eaton. Five Ks, 75 pitches. He looked good, man. A lot of the balls, a lot of the strikeouts, Chasing out of the zone, fastballs high. It was, you know what? I was very happy to see Garrett Cole's debut. Seventy-five pitches through five innings. Um, he's happy. He's stoked. That's what he said before the game. I'm stoked to play. I'm stoked. Um, Judge with the first hit, the 2020 season. Perfect. See, you know, Judge on the faces of the game, and it's nice to have him get the first hit. I know many people might not, might not like care about that. I do. And Stanton with the first home run of the 2020 season, and it was a fucking nuke, a absolute blast, 459 feet. And now those were the kind of the real blemishes off of Max Scherzer, but Scherzer looked great. Really, the thing about 11 Ks through five and a third innings, but you know, let up four runs. And then they had the, with one out in the sixth, they called the game, you know, stopped the game because it ran, and then they fucking went two hours, and they pulled the tarp off, and then they started pouring again. With with everything going on and how every game matters, I know they're gonna try bringing some games back. With with rain delays, they gotta just look at them and like you know not wait it out like they would usually do. You know, when I worked for the Twins, there was multiple times where we had rain delays two three hours because we saw in the forecast that at you know eleven thirty four the rain's gonna stop and it'll stop raining so these guys can finish the game so we don't have to pick it back up in like the end of August. So there'll be games. I remember one game. There was a, I remember my dad and my stepmom were in town to visit me 
My grandparents were also in town. It was awesome. They came to a game. Um, I got to see them for a little bit. They saw me on the field doing my job. It was great. But the game got um, stopped for a little bit because of rain, like two hours. And I remember I got home at like 2 o'clock in the morning because the Twins and I forgot what team they were even facing at the time. But rain delay stink. Let's just face the fact. It stunk. But what I think needs to be fixed is that ESPN had a rough time last night. It's tough. You got to, you know, adapt on the fly. Matty V and A-Rod, I thought they did okay in the in the studio last night. A-Rod was saying some weird shit about a sleeper team being the Astros. I'm like, the Astros were the World Series last year, so I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, but the camera angles were a little weird last night. Behind home plate angle, after you guys would get hits. Um, I don't know if ESPN is trying, trying something new. Because I know from watching national games, I watch every game. I watch a lot of games. I watch every team. But Nationals have this high vantage point up top, not really normal when it comes to um, other uh, teams and their coverage. But this one was legit behind home plate, so it was a little weird. But overall, the game was great. One blemish, though, Angel Hernandez is in, pre- is in freaking midseason form. Um, he stunk last night. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Some of these strike strikeout calls were horrible. Some guys got absolutely screwed. Everyone knows when players see Angel Hernandez's name on the that he's coming to town for three games, you're pissed. You're praying to God he's not home plate behind home plate for one of this one of those games, those three or four game series. You're praying because he's the worst. He's absolutely the worst at calling games, and he wonders why everyone doesn't like him because he's. He's terrible, and then he defends his terrible calls. He doesn't own up to it at all. Angel Hernandez, the worst. Just retire already. You stink. You you stink out loud. You smell. You're horrible. The worst. You stink out loud. But overall, happy with the Yankee W. Yankees win. Nationals need Soto, but Soto needs to get healthy first. Dodgers versus the Giants. Another weird pregame before the game, before even the freaking opening ceremony. We have news that Kershaw is out, scratched early last night for a back issue. Dustin May was the was originally not going to be making the opening day thirty man roster, but he got lucky, fortunate luck, because Kershaw's injury. Dustin May was the first Dodger rookie to start an opening day since Fernando Valenzuela back in. 1981, and similar to Valenzuela, he also started because the starting guy that game, Jerry Reese, also had an injury, and he was replaced by Valenzuela, and then he, you know, Fernando Mania took off, but the opening ceremony was just like the Yankees and the Nationals, both holding the black cloth, you saw players kneeling, some players were standing, but they were, they were recognizing and being a part of it. Bet spoke without his bat to start the game last night. You saw him kneeling during the national anthem. A photo is now circulating around the, the social media platforms of Muncie and Bellinger having their hands on Betts' shoulders together as one. And that's what everyone needs to look at is that together as one. It's, it's, it was a very, very good moment last night. Now, what I, I looked some stuff up about bets, and I read a couple articles, and 
I saw that Betts' perspective on kneeling has definitely changed since 2016 when he said he wouldn't take such action. His father, Willie, served in Vietnam with the U.S. Air Force, so he didn't, I guess, understand what was going on about kneeling for the national anthem. And he said, I, I read an article, he said, I, I wasn't educated, and that's my fault, Betts said. I know my dad served, and I'll never disrespect the flag, but there also has to be change. Kneeling is for the unjust. So you see that, ladies and gentlemen? If you educate yourself, you could change your mind. And that's what a lot, I'm, I'm going to go political for one second here. That's what people still don't understand today is that kneeling for the national anthem, you're not disrespecting the military or former or present people in the military. That's pretty obvious now, but people still don't understand it. Cough, cough, Aubrey Huff, you piece of shit. I hate that man so much. I've been subtweeting him and tweeting at him all day yesterday, and I'll continue to do it until I get recognized for it. If I got a battle with Aubrey Huff on Twitter, I'd be sick. Mentions will be in crazy, through the roof. But the man just is an idiot, flat out. But you see how people can change? If they educate themselves, they learn what the real reason behind it is, then you can have an education, educational decision on what you think is right and wrong. And guess what Betts did? He's seeing what he, he, he admitted to it. I wasn't educated, and that's my fault. So look, that is the big thing nowadays. People aren't taking action for what they did in the past or they're doing in the present, right? He admitted to her that he was wrong. And that is a progressive movement right there. People need to learn that. Like Deshaun Jackson doing what he did a couple weeks ago. He's trying his best to change and he's educating himself. He's sitting with rabbis. He's talking to Edelman, who is Julian Edelman, who is a Jew. He's reading up on things. He's trying to do his best to understand what's going on. Is he doing it for a PR stunt or is he actually really taking it all in and trying to understand what he did wrong? Who knows? But as I'm looking at it now, maybe he is trying to fix himself. And this is what Betts did. He looked back at what he said beforehand, educated himself. Now he knows that the kneeling is for the unjust, and he's getting it right. Now let's talk about the game. Like I said before, Kershaw scratched. Dustin May, rookie prospect, throws fucking fuzz balls. He threw 100 miles an hour last night. He was fucking throwing gas. Oh, I, he didn't pitch too long, but I was still impressed for what I saw. Now Betts. First A.B. is a Dodger swing and a miss strikeout. Second at back ground out the third. But in the seventh, he singles to left off of Tyler Rogers. Tyler Rogers, love the content when I'm seeing. This man, submarine pitcher, starts straight up. His brother, Taylor Rogers, twins closer, slash eighth inning guy. I interviewed him many times. Chill dude. Very, very quiet. And I remember one time, I remember one time, so T- Taylor and Tyler Rogers are from Colorado. Their father is a firefighter. There's his whole family are a bunch of firefighters. And they um, he has a charity event that he does all the time. And I did a story on it for one of our pieces on our on the radio. And 
I remember Tyler was there. His whole family was there. And for some reason, my brain was not working. And I took Tyler over to the side and I thought I was talking to Taylor. Let you know, guys, they're identical twins. And I didn't put two and two together. I was like, hell, and I, and I looked over and then I, after I was done talking to Tyler, he thought, he was like, wait, you talking to, you think you're talking to Taylor? And I was like, no. And I totally got embarrassed. And I don't know why I didn't think like, oh, Taylor's um, in uniform today and Taylor, and Tyler isn't. So very confusing, but both, both like identical, look identical. Um, good pitchers, Taylor Rogers, Tyler Rogers, excuse me, finally getting some recognition. He'll be playing out, but he lit up that single off of Betts and Betts got his first career here as a Dodger. He was swinging. He's like him and Pablo Sandoval at first base, like, give me the fucking ball. I want that fucking ball. Um, and then he subsequently scores the, uh, scores in his first time scoring on a ground ball. The second contact down gets in. But the man of the hour was Kike Hernandez with a great night at the plate. Four for five, five RBIs with a two-run home run, an eight-to-one win for the Dodgers. And guess what? Everyone in the lineup, except for the pitcher last night, everyone in the, in the starting lineup had a hit last night. This Dodger team is freaking lethal. It's absolutely lethal. Scary. They're scary to begin with, but now you have bets in that lineup with Bellinger and Muncie and Seager and freaking Justin Turner. And the rotation, don't let me get me started about that. Bullpen is solid. I said a couple years ago that give Walker Beeler five years, the man's going to win a Cy Young. I think the man's going to win a Cy Young this year. Him or Jack Flaherty, my two guys. I'm going to, at the at the break, when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk about um, my predictions of teams uh, to make the playoffs. But I'm going to do probably in a, either a blog post, I want to do a out of left field video talking about uh, predictions, maybe for, uh, award winners or what what have you. So, um, recap of both games in general, just to talk about both games. Cardboard cutouts. The cardboard cutouts is a good idea. It just looks a little weird in the background. I like the idea. The, the cause of it's very good when you're donating money. The uh, the money that was raised. Uh, if you bought a cutout, the, that money you spent on the cutout is going to COVID nineteen relief. It's a great idea. It just looks kind of a little weird. I like it, and I don't. Crowd noise. People need to understand. The crowd noise is not for you at home. You might hate it. You might think it's weird. The cheering. You might think it's weird. The booing. You might think it's funny. But it's not for you. It's for the players. For the first time, they don't have a crowd, right? So, I mean, Oakland, Oakland A's are pretty much comfortable with that to begin with. And I was listening to something pretty funny. Harold Reynolds was on CNN on the, in the car. I just turned it on for a second. And Harold Reynolds said something pretty interesting. He's like, any sport that could play without fans is baseball. Baseball is just used to this. It's not going to be strange as it sounds. And I kind of understand that because some stadiums don't have full capacity. Like the NBA, they have not every team, but a lot of teams like the Knicks. They are a horrible team, and every single game they're sold out. The NFL, they are packed every single time. The only time I think the Chargers were the only team that really didn't have a packed stadium in the past couple of years, but they're always packed, no matter what, if you suck or not. But for the baseball, it might not be so weird. 
Do I agree with that? I don't know. I think it's pretty interesting. But the, the thing is, the crowd noise is not for you. It's for the players. Players are used to having some some teams are used to having crowd noise and some of them are not because of people who have filled stadiums or what have you. But for, personally, for me, think about this. I played baseball until my senior year of college. I stopped playing in 2017. For that entire time, from my senior year of college to when I play, started playing Little League, the crowds aren't big. You're used to hearing everything. The conversations between each player, second base and shortstop, can actually talk to each other. They can hear you. You can hear the coaches in the dugout really well. And as you get older, some crowds get bigger, some crowds get smaller. College baseball, our crowds weren't that big. Not really, not big at all. I mean, the most I think ever we had at a game was maybe like 50, maybe. Maybe 100. But, you know, big college Division One programs like Vanderbilt, they're sold out all the time. Or LSU or Coastal Carolina, South Carolina, these big programs. UCLA, you know, there's you might have this giant crowd. But you've kind of grown up your whole life playing ball with not a lot of fans. Nobody really coming, so you can hear everything. I really do like the hearing of every single thing. Everything is louder. That's my other last point about the recap of both games we've seen. It, we noticed it in the scrimmages, in the inner squads, but you can hear everything. Umpires, you can hear the strike three call loud. The crack of the bat is my favorite part. And uh, cursing, a lot of cursing. Jock Peterson, thank you. Screwing fuck last night after you grounded out. We love to see it. I love to see it. It's great. I think it's awesome for baseball. Crowd noise does help the players. Keeps us some some of like normalcy and like it, it kind of understands like oh, um, it kind of the comfortability maybe. But I, if I was a player, I'd probably not like the. I probably wouldn't want the crowd noise because I like hearing everything. I like I like and for fans at home, um, I said the crowd noise at one point is nice, but I would prefer no crowd noise because. Um, it sounds it sounds so much better. You could hear the players talking. It's such a cool thing um, without even micing them up. But remember, crowd noise isn't for you. It's for the players. Some players like it. Some players don't. But at the, at the end of the day, it's for the players and not for you. That's the recap of the first two games. Love to see it. Baseball's back, kids. Let's talk about Mookie Betts now. Mookie Betts... A couple days ago, signed a whopping 12 years, $365 million contract with the L.A. Dodgers. He ain't going back to the Red Sox. Jared Carabas, the Rocket, not happy camper. Everyone's been shitting in his fucking, in his way. Everyone's been making fun of him. I think it's tough. I think it's enough now. But um, Betts is a Dodger for life. But he won't be receiving all of his money until he's approaching his 52nd birthday. In 2044. Huh. You say, why? Well, he has this defer package and deferred payments in his contract. He has a $65 million signing bonus that is guaranteed against a work stoppage and shortened seasons such as this one, but the Dodgers don't have to start paying that signing bonus for more than a year. Here's more details about this. His deal includes $115 million in deferred payments. If he is traded... Though the deferrals would be eliminated and the money would be due to each season the contract covers. He does not have a no trade clause provision, excuse me. 
2018, the 2018 AL MVP gets his signing bonus in annual installments each November from 2021 to 2035. Pay attention. A lot of numbers coming at you right now. $5 million each of the first 12 years, $2 million apiece in 2033 and 2034. The final payment of $1 million, and, and oh, I'm sorry, and a final payment of $1 million. Betts is not a California resident. That money will not be subjected to state income tax in California, which has a top marginal rate of 12.3%. Betts, who's 27, receives salaries of $17.5 million each in 2021-2022, million in 2023, $25 million in each of the next four seasons, $30 million Annually from 2028-2030 and $27.5 million in each of the last two years. His deal covers for $8 million to be deferred each year from 2021 to 2025, $10 million in both 2026 and 2027, and $11 million in each of the last five seasons. The money is payable each July 1st, sounds familiar, from 2033 to 2044, $8 million, a lot, man, $8 million for the first five payments, $10 million for the next two, and eleven million for the final five. Betts agreed to make a charitable donation of $100,000 annually, and the last thing in this deal... He gets a hotel suite on every road trip. How awesome is that? You love to see it. This is a smart move. Every contract you player should do. I almost said you guys. Uh, if you're a player listening to this, I appreciate it. Um, but every player from now on needs to do something like this. Deferred payments is smart. You're covering your ass after you play. Right? Now, think if you're a player that doesn't get the $365 million contract. Think if you're a guy that gets a six-year deal worth, I don't know, $60 million. Still a lot of money. You're safe. Your family's safe. But God forbid something happens to you way down the line. You get sick. You die. You get hurt. Whatever. You're out of work. You can't. You know, a lot of players, they don't have the the financial security after the, their playing days are over. Having this deferred payment system guarantees you to make money after you're done playing. Now, if you get a smaller contract, like a four-year deal, $20 million, or four-year 15, if you're not a, 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 you're an amazing player, think if you're like this bench guy or utility player that gets a four-year, three-year contract worth $15 million. You defer that money over time. You don't make a lot now, but you make a lot more at the end of the at, at the end of the day. Seriously, Betts is taking this out of um, Bobby Bonilla's playbook. Bobby Bonilla is making a million and a half dollars for the next thousand years. Every July first, million and a half. Cha-ching. There's an article every July first. Cha-ching. That comes out on every major news network. You read it. You can see it every July. 
you'll see it. And Bobby Bonilla's bank account goes up a million and a half, and it's great. The guy hasn't played baseball in freaking 20 years, and he's getting a check every year by the Mets. It's a beautiful thing. The Mets bought out the contract. He's like, look, all right, all right, get the fuck out of here. We'll pay you money until you're 70 million years old. But this is a great move. That's smart move, smart deal. He's playing in California for the Dodgers. Can they actually win a title with the team they have now? Absolutely. They're having a rough time the past couple of times they've been to the World Series, but they have a shot every single year when you have that lineup and that pitching staff. So Betts with a fantastic, fantastic idea with him and his agent and his team to make this deferred money. Beautiful. I know I just read you a ton of bullet points with a ton of information. Take it in. Soak it in. Rewind. Listen to it again. You'll understand. I had to look this. I had to read a couple times myself. But before we get into more baseball, take a quick break. You'll hear an ad from Anchor, and then we'll get into the Blue Jays while they still don't have a freaking home to play in and the new playoff system that was implemented like seriously like with like four hours before opening day so we'll get into that with a quick break and then we'll be right back with more baseball we are back and let's talk about the blue jays i know I start off the podcast saying we're going to talk about the blue jays they don't have a home well guess what guys they got a home now Right when the break happened, I looked up on Twitter, and boom. Breaking. Sources say the Blue Jays will be playing in Buffalo for sure this year, not Baltimore. The wait is over. The Buffalo Blue Jays, Jays Mafia, is in Buffalo, New York. Let's get it going. So to start off, Canada's government was like, yep, fuck that. You Blue Jays cannot play here. We don't want any COVID here. We're doing fine. We don't want COVID from the United States coming to Toronto. We don't want it in Canada. Fuck that. So now the Blue Jays need to need a home. They talked to the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Pirates were like, you know what? Not a bad idea. But local government was like, yep, nope, not bringing that shit down here. Get out. Not going to work. So now they were talking to Baltimore. On Thursday, Maryland's Governor Larry Hogan spoke to the Associated Press on the possibility of allowing the Blue Jays to host games at Camden Yards. He went on to say, we've had some discussions with the Orioles. I don't know the final details of that. Obviously, we're watching our our numbers very carefully every single day. We're concerned about the spike in other states. Okay. The Blue Jays and the Rays start in the year, right? That's the Blue Jays' first home game on July 29th. They need to figure it out. And guess what? They finally did moments at 11.15 this morning. Uh, 11.51, excuse me, not 15, I can't read. Um, So they figured it out. Blue Jays will be playing in Buffalo. The Jays Mafia, everyone knows Bills Mafia, move on. Now the Jays Mafia is coming to town. That's going to be the home games. They're playing at Buffalo Park. they got to figure out the lighting situation in Buffalo Park, but Buffalo will be the place. Congrats to the Blue Jays. And now Long Island native, former World Marvel Patriot, my former high school teammate, Anthony Kay. He made the roster. He'd be playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. I just I think that Toronto needs to be uh their Twitter needs to be the Buffalo Blue Jays, not the Toronto Blue Jays anymore. 
just for the time being. I'm looking at their Twitter page right now, and it's still uh, nothing. But they just released a statement, though. Blue Jays to state majority of home games in 2020 home games in Buffalo. Um, let's see. Let's see if anything of importance. This is all in the moment. Breaking news. Breaking news. All right. Toronto's announced it will host a greater part of the home schedule um, in Buffalo, the home of the club's AAA affiliate Buffalo Bisons. We are extremely grateful to have a home in Buffalo this season thanks to the openness, creativity, and partnership of the Buffalo Bisons, Major League Baseball, and the Blue Jays staff who have worked tirelessly to prepare for games, um, said uh, Mark Shapiro, uh, president and CEO of Toronto Blue Jays. This process has no doubt tested our, our team's uh, but we'll get da, 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 da. the club will, would like to thank the Buffalo Bison organization, Mayor Brown, the city of Buffalo, uh, and the governor Cuomo of New York State, Buffalo area residents who have uh, been Blue Jays fans, players, okay, okay, da, 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 da. Commissioner Manfred, uh, Major League Baseball and Major League Minor League clubs were willing to open their doors to the team, but there won't be a minor league fucking season, so that's unfortunate. Um... Okay, so tonight we will celebrate the return of baseball with opening day versus the Tampa Bay Rays at 6.44 p.m. Are they playing at, wait, are they, did I get my schedules confused here? Are the Blue Jays? Yeah, they're, 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 yeah I, was, I was right. They're playing Tampa right now at home. But their opening day is on the 29th, so they need to figure it out, and they did. Gotta love it. it. Sucks they can't play the Rogers Center. Rogers Center is a cool place. I've always watched on TV, but I would love to go and play. I mean, not play, but watch. Um, I love to go to a game. Me and a couple of my buddies have thought about doing some trips to go see some stadiums, but it's going to be next year. Can't be this year. It's unfortunate, but it's nice to see. Let's get off to the playoff system. Moments before the Yankees and Nationals game, Major League Baseball and the players actually agreed on something very fast. I don't know why you couldn't get it done a week before opening day, but they got on the same day as opening day. So 16 teams in this expanded season. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting to see that we're going to have this crazy expanded roster here. So the expanded postseason is eight teams per league, three division winners, three second-place teams, and two wildcard teams. In each division. So to break down this weird system here. So the wild card series. There's not going to be an elimination game. Like we've had it for years now. I love, loved the elimination game. At first, of course, when everything new happens in anything. You at first think, oh, I don't like this new thing. I don't like it. But I absolutely love, loved this elimination game. Oh, it's, the suspense is there. You're going to put the best players out there. Your best pitchers has to be out there. Not going to happen this season. So the wild card series, the break, I'm breaking down each series and how it will look. So wild card series, best of three with all games at the higher seeds home ballpark. So the number one seed versus the number eight seed, two versus seven, three versus six, and four versus five. Division series. Best of five with traditional 2-2-1 home road format, which we've seen in uh, the division series for years now. Winner of the one versus eight seed will be versing the winner of the four versus five. 
The winner of the two verse seven seed will be playing the winner of the three verse six seed uh, uh, game. Home field advantage goes to the higher seed, the league championship series. Best of seven, traditional two three two, like we've always seen. Um, winner of the one four game seeds versus and the five eight seeds versus the th- two three six seven uh, seeds. Home field advantage goes to the higher seed, like we usually say. World Series, best of seven, two, three, two. And the AL champion versus the NL champion, home field advantage goes to the team with superior regular season record, which has been a thing too. How will these teams be seeded? Here we go. The top three seeds, one through three, in each league will go to their division winners, East, Central, and West, in order record. of record. The next three seeds, four versus six, will go to the, t- the the three teams that finish in second place in their division in order of record. The final two seeds, seven and eight, will go to the team teams with the best records regardless of the division and division standings because the first and second place teams in each division automatically advance into October. The seven and eight seeds are the actual wildcard teams it's very confusing. I understand. You're probably wondering, what the hell are you talking about, Taylor? It's You're going to have to adapt and just kind of read into it again. But I'm going to tell you some winners and losers for this format. But it looks like this format is just going to be in effect for the 2020 season. But don't be surprised if Manfred pulls something up his fucking sleeve and he wants to make this a thing. I think this is going to be... Um, I think this is just going to be for 2020. Everyone knows this new... Um, extra inning format where the runner's on second base. I don't like it. Not a lot of people do. I do not. And if Manfred thinks he's going to pull a quick one on everybody and make this a thing for next year, you got another thing coming. I'm going to be livid. So let's talk about the winners and losers from this new format. The winners, the fans. More baseball. Who doesn't like that? It's a new thing. It's going to get the people... People going nuts. I think we could see some fans maybe in the postseason in October. You could see that. Maybe in September. There's been rumors about having real social distancing, more than six feet apart, three or four seats in between each person. I, it, could be, it could be a thing. Um, another winner is the bubble teams. Red Sox, Indians, Angels are teams that could have a shot to grab that seventh or eighth seed if things go well. Um, another winner here, the players. As part of this expanded postseason agreement, players will split a $50 million player pool up from the $25 million MLB offer offered a few weeks ago. Now they'll be compensated for their postseason. Furthermore, the expanded postseason is the 2020 only. I know I said it before, it could be, it's gonna, it looks like it's going to be the 2020 for now, but you never know. We'll be back to a normal, maybe a normal 10-team postseason field next year. But like I just said, I'm just reading some quotes here from some articles I read. Um, you never know. But this is a good thing for the players to get paid a little extra. Other winners is the owners. How can we ever have thought that the owners and the players are both in a winning situation? Well, the owners are in a big big spot here because this is an enormous moneymaker thanks to the national television contracts that they have. MLB and the owners now have to now have this expanded postseason, which the owners are not going to make a ton of money back, hopefully make a ton of money from 
the revenue lost during the shutdown the first, was it March, April, May, June, and July, like the first four and a half months of the season. They lost because of the COVID-19. Now, the losers of this new format, it's really only one is the top seeds. The top teams, there really is no advantage to winning your division. Other than securing home field advantage, you don't avoid a one-and-done wildcard game, and you don't get to pick your opponent that has been proposed, which is that, which has been proposed in the past, but, but it's not part of this new format. But the wildcard wild game was created really in a way at the advantage of the first divi- of the, the division winners, the best teams, top seed. Now that's gone. Winning division has a little value and doesn't necessarily hurt the best team, but it doesn't reward them like we've seen in the past. And that's been that was the that was the goal. I mean, every year your your goal is to win the division, make the playoffs, win the World Series. That's it. The division is such a huge factor. You get home field advantage, you best team in the league. It's it's this huge notice. But now you it's do you want to get like a, like a four or five seed? So you're not playing the top dog? Do you want to get a six seed? Lower seeds? Who knows? I don't know. But it really makes a lot of sense. The, the, the whole home field advantage, the, 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 the top seed, doesn't really get what they want, which is the unfortunate part. But if I'm going to have to pick my playoff predictions, who's going to make it, the eight teams from each division, some of these teams are pretty obvious. So the American League, I had the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros. Those are your three division winners. And the other teams that will be making it, the Rays, Athletics, White Sox, Indians, and I have a sleeper here, the Rangers as well. I think the Red Sox are not good enough to make this run. Um, Not having Chris Sale is a bummer. Losing Mookie Betts and David Price is a huge hole, huge, huge hit for them. Look, they have Devers and Bogarts and Ben Attendee and Jackie Bradley. They added some pieces. J.D. Martinez, I just think their pitching is not what the, what 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 they needed when they won the World Series in 2018. It's not there. So what they need is a whole new revamp of pitching, and they need they need Bookie Betts back, but it's not going to win. But the Yankees, Twins, Astros, Rays, Athletics, White Sox, Indians, and the Rangers are my sleeper team. Nationally, the Braves, Red Sox, and Dodgers are your um, division winners. The Reds is definitely a team that a lot of people are starting to wake up on. I've been saying it before during free agency in the in the middle of the winter. I said that if the Reds do good in the, in the off season during free agency, they're gonna be they're gonna make a nice push. They signed Mustakis and they got Nick Castellanos. They have Suarez. They have some big boppers in that lineup with Votto still. Um, their rotation is very very good. With uh, uh, Luis Castillo and Trevor Bauer and Sonny Gray, they have a nice bullpen with Amir Garrett and Iglesias back there. With Lorenzen, who does it all, they have a nice team. In that division in the NL Central, with the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Cubs, it's stacked, and the Pirates are the only team that has no shot of competing. I think the Astros, no, no, I'm sorry, I think the Reds could really push it here. I, my, my chair just squeaked. It's been squeaking the whole pocket. It's pissing me off. Um, the the Reds are definitely a team that can push it. It's going to be hard. The Cubs are getting a little older, but they still have their core of the lineup still there. 
with Wilson Contreras and Baez and Rizzo and Bryant. And Bodie's going to play a, a huge factor in this team. Jason Hayward needs to wake up the bat. It's been taking years for him to do it, but maybe we can see like the young Jason Hayward of old coming back. Who knows? They have Schwarber and Ian Happ and Almoro. And it's it's going to be um it's going to be a push. The Brewers. This is like perfect this season. Craig Council. This is a perfect thing for Craig Council. This is the kind of manager who can squeak by, who he's done it before in the past. In 40 or 50 games, he's pushed this team to the brink of making it to the playoffs, and he's done it, making a tight window. So maybe Council and the Brewers can make a nice push. We all we all don't forget, kids, that Christian Yelch is the tank. He's there with Lorenzo Cain. They lost Moustakis in free agency, which kind of stinks, but they have some solid bats in that lineup. But it's their pitching that needs to be better. For the Brewers and the Cardinals, I, I've always said don't ever, ever count out the Cardinals. As long as the Cardinals are still a freaking team in the National League Central, you never count them out. You just never do. You just never do. With Jack Flaherty, who is my favorite pitcher in the league right now, him and Walker Bueller are my favorite pitchers. But I think the Reds are going to surprise some people. So I have the Dodgers, of course, then the Braves winning the East, which the Braves um, – look, the Braves got some competition this year. The New York Mets do not sleep on the Mets. The Mets can make a push. It's their bullpen that needs to step up. They added Batanzas. Hopefully, Edwin Diaz can step up this year after having a horrible, horrible year last year. They have Seth Lugo, who is a absolute tank in that bullpen. If you if those three guys can work together this year, Batanzas, Lugo, and Diaz, they can work together and actually pull this Mets bullpen together. You can see them maybe making a solid run. And their lineup, it ain't bad, dude. It ain't bad at all. The Mets lineup was just released today. If I can go find it real quick. Um, let's see. I have it before. I liked it. Um, here we go. So the Mets lineup today versus um, the Braves. Brennan Nimmo leading off. McNeil playing third, batting second. Batting first is Pete Alonzo. Conforto. Cleaning up, play, batting um, fourth and playing right field. You want to assess this DHing, batting fifth. Cano sixth at second base. JD Davis in left, batting seventh. Ramos, Wilson Ramos catching behind the plate, batting eighth and batting ninth is Ahmed Rosario playing short. This is the lineup that they should be putting out every single solitary day. I remember the other day they had, I think they had Alonzo batting second and Cano was batting third or fourth. And I said to one of my buddies, who's a big, big Mets fan, I said that if they're going to make Alonzo second, that's great. I mean, we've seen Trout batting second before. Judd is batting second before. So a lot of the teams are adapting that that best hitter in the lineup should be batting second. I like it. But this lineup is perfect. This is perfect. Perfect. If Cespedes can do what he did, when the Mets went to the World Series and made that amazing second-half run, then the Mets are going to win the division. I know that's bold. But Cespedes, I was basically an MVP for the Mets in the second half when he came to the Mets the first year around. But they need that to happen. It's going to be tough. He hasn't played in almost two years. But McNeil and Alonzo, Conforto, J.D. Davis, who was a surprise last year, was great. But Stroman getting hurt and Syndergaard not playing – 
the rotation is is it's rough to see. DeGrom is the opening day guy, of course. He has a chance of winning three straight Cy Youngs. It's going to be nice if, if he gets that. But it's the bullpen and the rotation needs to stay healthy in order for the Mets to make some sort of push. The Phillies, do they have a shot? Yes, with Bryce Harper's second year, with Reese Hoskins, Andy Didi Gregorius, adding Zach Wheeler to that rotation with Aaron Nola. Their bullpen's a little weak, but they have the bats. We're also real Muto. I could add him. So they have some boppers in that lineup. We have all known that. But I think the pitching is going to be a, a factor for the for the Phillies. And they also added Joe Girardi, who's one of my favorite managers ever. And the Marlins, they're not. I don't think the Marlins will be pushovers this year in the um, in the National League East. They're not going to be good, but I don't think they'll be pushovers like they were last year in the past couple years. But Watch out for the Braves. I think the Braves can take take it this year. They need to. They need to make a push, and they need to show National League that the Braves it's theirs. But the Mets, I think, are going to be a factor. I have them making the playoffs as a lower seed, like one of the wild card teams. But I have them making the playoffs there. Um, so the Braves, Reds, Dodgers, Cubs, and Padres. Padres are going to make the playoffs. Mark my words, they're going to make it. They have the hitting. They have the hitting. If Madison Gore, um, I think Madison Gore. No, it's a. Uh, oh shit! I forgot the kid's name. Damn it! That's really embarrassing. Padres, no more pitching prospect. Savage. He needs to be in there. He needs to be in that rotation. Give him some shots. Also, Nate Pearson getting sent down for the Blue Jays. Stupid. Have him pitch. Be all. That's what the Blue Jays need. Pitch him. Get him some innings in the sixty-game season. He'll throw freaking 25, 30 innings. Be be nice to see. Anyway. Padres, the lineup is stupid. Tatis, Hosmer, Profar, Machado in that infield. Crazy talent. Crazy pop with Will Myers in the outfield. <laughs> and look, and they added Tommy Pham as well. So they have they have the hitting. I think they can do it. Their bullpen's nice with Kirby Yates is the best closer in the league. Padres can make it. The other teams I have to, to round it out. Cardinals, Mets, and Brewers. So that's Braves, Reds, Dodgers, Cubs, Padres, Cardinals, Mets, and Brewers. This is going to be fun, kids. Be fun. A lot of fucking fun. I'm so freaking pumped. So pumped. All right, and also to uh, round out this baseball talk, happy anniversary. 16 years ago today, A-Rod and Veritech had the fight of a lifetime. Bronson Royal, throw it in. Said, what the fuck? A-Rod said, fuck you to Veritech a couple times, and here we go. We got the hangmakers coming in. It was a beautiful thing. Loved to see it. That's it. Episode 108. Thank you for listening. This is Taylor Ringgold. Go subscribe to my Instagram, Taylor underscore Ringgold. My Twitter is Taylor Ringgold. Subscribe to the End of the Bench podcast. Subscribe to the End of the Bench podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Go and do that, please, and thank you. We all know you love listening to this podcast. Go spread it around to your friends and your family. It's good. It's a good time. It's a good time. Also, subscribe to Inst- on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go follow us on End of the Bench. Posting content. Love to see it. Um, catch us episode 109 next week. Thank you, kids, for listening. Love you guys. You guys are the bomb. Keep listening. I'm going to have guests hopefully soon next week. Been trying to book some people, trying to get some shit going. All right, that's it. We out. Peace.